podcast i'm your host tyrone and i'm desiree and we are not Not your attorneys attorneys. so this is a special episode of pop law we do not have a guest i know i say it's special (laughs) when we have a guest but this is special because this is a topic that is sort of very far-reaching and it's going to affect quite a few people when it comes to copyrights um specifically this is going to be about the big scotus or supreme court ruling about copyright registration. And I know it's sort of all confusing and jumbled up. You may have seen articles or even posts on social media that tried to explain it. And most of them probably did a terrible job. So that's why we felt it was necessary because people have been asking us and adding us on social media to be like, hey, is this right? Is this what really happened? So today's episode is gonna be all about that. And then we'll give you one little quick update on Firefest as well. <laughs> So it's not often that you get the gossip blogs posting about Supreme Court cases, but when that happens, you know that something significant has happened. Recently, the Supreme Court of the United States made a decision that did just that, though. In the fourth estate, Public Benefit Corporation versus WallStreet.com, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously that copyright owners must wait for registration before pursuing infringement claims in court. Now, the non-legal heads have been running with this, as I said, and making up all types of information about copyright law that we've been shaking our heads about. So on this episode, we will do our best to clarify what this decision truly means and what remains the same. So first off, let's give a brief overview of what the facts of the case are. So Fourth Estate licensed its journalism works to WallStreet.com before their agreement was canceled. When the articles weren't removed from the website, Fourth Estate filed suit, leading to a challenge over whether the plaintiff needed to wait until the Register of Copyrights either accepted or refused the application for registration. Here's where we have to do a brief reminder of copyright law. We spent a decent amount of time of informing you all about what a copyright is. We have not spent as much time discussing the protection. The rights to a valid copyright are inherent once a work meets the bar of being considered a qualifying work under the Copyright Act. But if you ever want to enforce those rights against someone who's infringing, the law requires that your work be registered with the Register of Copyrights. Sounds simple, right? Well, not actually. The reason the issue has gotten all the way to the Supreme Court is there has been confusion about what it means to have your copyright registered with the Register of Copyrights. A common practice for suing for copyright practice has been to file for registration right before initiating the legal action, meaning that more likely than not, their application for registration would merely be pending while the legal action is taking place. But others believe that registration truly meant that you had, one, submitted an application, and two, either received an approval or rejection from the Register of Copyrights. The Federal Circuit Court of Appeals have been split on the two approaches, and SCOTUS usually steps in to handle circuit splits when the right case comes along. 
Well, SCOTUS came down on the side of a plain reading of the statute. A pending application for registration is not sufficient to bring a copyright infringement action. You must have actually applied and received a determination from the Register of Copyrights before initiating such an action. That is before, prior to. So now the big reason this has received such a huge amount of attention is that the copyright registration process is not predictable at all. As RGB, aka Justice Ginsburg, herself noted that the registration processing times have increased from weeks to months over the years in her unanimous opinion that she offered. But she also added that the administrative lag doesn't allow a curing of congressionally composed text Or more plainly, she meant, tell Congress to do their job if y'all don't like it. (laughs) But thankfully, there are remedies available to people who find themselves in the situation where they need to sue for infringement imminently, but have not registered their work. First, if you have to wait for your work to be processed for registration and someone is infringing up until your work is completely processed, you can still sue for the infringement that took place prior to the registration determination. Second, there's a pre-registration. All works aren't eligible for this, but let's do a quick breakdown of pre-registration to see what's involved. And this is the breakdown. Pre-registration. Pre-registration serves as a placeholder for limited purposes, mainly where a copyright owner needs to sue for infringement while a work is still being prepared for commercial release. Pre-registration is not a substitute for registration, and its use is only appropriate in certain circumstances, and only certain types of works are eligible for pre-registration. Works submitted for pre-registration must meet three conditions. One, the work must be unpublished. Two, the work must be in the process of being prepared for commercial distribution in either physical or digital format. Example, film copies, CDs, computer programs to be sold online, and the applicant must have a reasonable expectation of this commercial distribution. Finally, the work must fall within the following classes of works determined by the Register of Copyrights to have had a history of infringement prior to authorized commercial distribution. The classes of works eligible for pre-registration include motion pictures, sound recordings, musical compositions, literary works being prepared for publication in book form, computer programs which may include video games, advertising, and marketing photographs. But again, here are some important reminders about pre-registration. Pre-registration is not a form of registration, but is simply an indication of an intent to register a work once the work has been completed and or published. The law requires that if you have pre-registered a work, you are required to register the work within one month after the copyright owner becomes aware of infringement and no later than three months after first publication. If full registration is not made within the prescribed time period, a court must dismiss an action for copyright infringement that occurred before or within the first two months after publication. So now you're armed with all this knowledge and you can head to the comment section of your favorite blog to let them know the real deal about this registration mess. (laughs) I get ready to argue in people's comments, uh, these blog comments, (laughs) about these people who think they are lawyers. And, you know, I'll be having to stop myself 
And you'd be like, you know what? This is content for my show. <laughs> Click on my page to see who you're talking to. <laughs> Fuck Jerry. It's finally being taken to court. And, you know, we've talked about them under the guise of Firefest all the time. They did all the promo while mm-hmm. beautiful with the advertising and things that they did. It did you look know, nice. <laughs> they need to be held accountable. So it looks like people are finally through with the bros over there at Fuck Jerry and Jerry Media. And they are getting taken to court for their fraudulent ways. Plaintiff Oluren Femi Coker is suing Jerry for the unauthorized and unlawful publishing and exploitation of his original content, as well as Jerry's false representations concerning the origin, association, or endorsement of goods or services using Coker's name in the SDNY federal court. Also, they used his name all the way in court. <laughs> uh, the content at issue happens to be a tweet that Coker posted back in January. The tweet is nothing special, just a screenshot of an iMessage conversation joking about someone being so drunk that they left to go home and they were the ones actually throwing the house party. It seems like Jerry and company repurposed the tweet and posted the image without giving credit to Coker. So... Obviously, Coker is asking that the defendants stop using the image, but he's also demanding statutory damages, actual damages, costs and attorney's fees and investigatory fees and expenses, profits of defendants in each, plus all losses of plaintiff, plus any other monetary advantage gained by the defendants through their infringement. So basically everything right (laughs) it seems like coker may have a pretty strong case on his hands and jerry may finally start having uh to answer and you know they did rebrand a jerry media they're trying to you know make sure they are now in a good light but these demons from Firefest are gonna continue to follow and prior because really i said before Mm -hmm. fuck jerry was founded off of when we talked about um, was Barstool, Barstool Sports, yeah. yeah, Barstool Sports and the comedian um, Miel or Mel, I can't remember her name is, but I've mentioned on that episode as well that this is just like a lot of your favorite accounts that y'all follow. Mm-hmm. They have been around and have grown on the backs of stealing people's content, really. They've right. just been taking things and repurposing it, definitely not giving credit when it was due. And now they've grown into these big brands where they have such big followings that they can make money off of just posting. Like, people just want to use get their audience, get their so stuff from the audience. It seems to me that uh, Fuck Jerry or Jerry Media, Jerry Media. should have... Um, refrain from being willing participants in those documentaries because I'm sure now that they admitted and showed all the things that they a lot of eyes did, on them. a lot of eyes are on them. Um, but you know, in addition to this whole situation, Billy McFarlane is selling Fire Festival merchandise to repay these people i told y'all he was gonna be scamming for life (laughs) no matter where he is he will scam and so a lot of this merchandise um is upwards of 600 or so dollars so is this like original (laughs) from the fire fest oh yes or is this like, oh, he's making, he's getting it made now? Because I could see him trying to pass off things that are being made now right. as like this was from the original Firefest. Um, so 
That too, but the United States Marshal Services of Manhattan, they're going to auction off authentic fire Festival merchandise. So you have, you know, McFarlane and them selling stuff, but then you have the Marshal Services selling off the authentic merchandise um, that they discover while searching through McFarlane's assets to help pay back this $26 million he still owes to the victims. So during the search, two boxes of merchandise was found along with Two hundred and forty thousand dollars in a bank account. <laughs> um, Wait, can you two hundred and forty what thousand dollars they found? Like just cash? Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So he was hiding assets. So they have an assortment of the real thing: fire festival branded T-shirts, sweatpants, sweatshirts, hats, wristbands, and medallions. Oh my god! Um, and so yeah, this is going to go for sale. And I definitely wanted some. There's already merchandise <laughs> for sale, you know. Um, and obviously, it might. Uh, it's not authentic, of course, but right. And so the government agency they are going to utilize their contracted partners to handle the marketing <laughs> and sale <laughs> and the online auction. So that'll be interesting to see who's actually the vendor or host of selling this merchandise. Yeah, um, probably won't work with Jerry. Though. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing though that they're selling off this um, paraphernalia, if you will, from the event. And it's not going to actually benefit anyone from the organizations that put it together. And it's going to go to restitution for the victims. Yeah. And um, I guess the this is not the first time the U.S. Marshal Services did something like that. Um, you know, Bernie Madoff, the infamous New York Ponzi yes. scammer, they uh, he took some of his assets and sold them to help repay victims. And a pair of his underwear sold for like $200. Who want that old man underwear? Well, somebody did because they bought it. Y'all trifling. Um, (laughs) But anyway, you know, we stay with the Firefest update. So don't be surprised when we just slide it in there right at the end, at the beginning, in the middle. We're always going to talk about this whenever we get a chance to. Absolutely. But again, like I said, we really just wanted to bring that copyright registration ruling to you and explain it in the most simplest format and give you even a breakdown on that pre-registration of copyrights as well so that's all we have for you no no pop culture roundup um nothing like that so this is a short and sweet one for you but if you want to um reach out and talk to us some more about some copyrights you have questions you can pay us (laughs) Or (laughs) you could just leave a comment on some of our social media and we respond to most everybody on our Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, That's at Podcast, And you can email us as well at poplawpodcasts at gmail.com or just, you know, go to our website, poplawpodcast.com. And yeah, listen to us everywhere. Yeah. And until next time. Remember that. We We are are not not your your attorneys. attorneys.